everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of Southern Fried Pop Culture. I am one of your hosts, Mandy Kay. And I'm Kelly Lee. Each week, we're going to talk about our experiences of Southern culture through the lens of stories that are set in the South, feature Southern characters, or are Southern flavored in some way. And we're going to do it while we drink Southern drinks. My cocktail tonight is a whiskey sour. How about you, Mandy? I am still on this vodka lemonade kick, so that's what I've got tonight. All right, fantastic. Uh, As we go through each movie on this show, we're going to pull our structure from our amazing theme song, which was written by our friend Jazzy Bentley. So we're going to try to split things up into three different sections, Uh, Southern culture in general, our bless your heart or problematic moments, and the things that really tickled us pink. When we decided to start the show, Kelly and I immediately knew that Steel Magnolias was going to be the first movie we watched. It is an absolutely iconic movie set in the South. Yes. So Steel Magnolias came out in 1989, and it's set in Louisiana. And that's about as detailed as we're going to get. But the description of this movie says, it's a warm and fuzzy celebration of friendship, Southern style. And I'm sorry, y'all, but that is a sorry-ass description for a movie that makes most people cry buckets. I'm just saying. And it's a crying shame that this movie is not available for streaming on Netflix or Hulu. Well, I own it on DVD, so (laughs) it was fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was not a problem. Uh, But I will say this is definitely not a warm and fuzzy movie. This is is a movie about friendship and particularly, you know, women in the South being friends. Um, But it's largely about a woman who dies. (laughs) Or at least a woman dying driving what the rest of the movie is about. You know, so there's there's not really much warm and fuzzy there. So I'm not really sure where that tagline came from. No. And and, I mean, this is a, a movie about the kind of friendship that comes into your life at such a deep level that it, it may be deeper than family. And there's warmth there. But this is not a lighthearted movie. So if you haven't seen it yet, um, you might want to bring a box of tissues. Yes. I have seen this movie a solid dozen times in my life. And I still cry every time I watched this movie last night. And I sobbed like a baby. Even though I knew what was coming, I couldn't quote it. I still sobbed like a baby. I can't help it. Well, you know, it was interesting (laughs) because I have also seen it about that many times. And I did not cry this time. I got really pissed off this time. (laughs) So um, I I was angry um, for the situation in this movie. And I think I've changed a lot as a person. And maybe like Weeza, I've just become incredibly grumpy. But I I didn't cry. Um, It didn't didn't evoke that in me this time. So this is going to be a very interesting discussion. Okay. Well, Kelly, why don't you tell us about your personal experience with the movie? When did you first watch it? And why is it something that you've continued to come back to? So I was trying to remember this. So I actually asked my mom if she remembered how old I was the first time I watched this. And she said I was about 13. And we rented it on Betamax, which I just (laughs) thought was hilarious. Um, And she said that we watched it together and both cried our eyes out. And I think I went back to it because I loved the women in this movie. This was my first Dolly Parton movie. This was my first Julia Roberts movie. I'm pretty sure this was my first Sally Field movie. And I just loved the humor in it. 
I think the first time I watched it, I was young enough that Julia Roberts' character and situation seemed to be star-crossed and romantic. It does not seem that way to me anymore. But the friendship in it is so real and so solid that that's what I go back to it for. What about you? I don't remember exactly how old I was when I first watched this movie. I was young enough not to understand what rubbers are. <laughs> uh, so in, in that scene where Shelby's upset that, you know, her brothers are going to decorate the wedding getaway car with condoms, uh, they called them rubbers, <laughs> and I had no idea what that meant. Uh, so I was pretty young. <laughs> and this is a movie that I keep coming back to because it's, it's a romanticized portrayal of the life that I've always wanted. And, and when I say that, I don't mean, you know, having type 1 diabetes and a kid and dying, you know, not not that piece of it, but, <laughs> but the, the friendship that Malin, Weezer, Truvy, and Clary had, those four women, you know, this is Sex in the City before Sex in the City. This was these four women mm. who are all very different, but they love each other. They are a chosen family. And I have always, always wanted that in my life. And I think I recognized that that was something special, even at a very, very young age. And so I always come back mm -hmm. to it. And there are other things that are very romanticized about the South in this, like like Shelby's wedding, you know, the giant poofy dress, the church wedding with all of the flowers and the big party. You know, that that's something that I've always wanted. And so I just, when I watch this, there's just like a little piece of me that remembers those childhood dreams I guess is, is what mm -hmm. I'm trying to say yeah. and so I just keep coming back yeah. to it even though I know it's going to rip my heart out every time although sometimes <laughs> I watch it just because I'm really upset and I need to cry and for whatever reason I can't then I will put this movie in yeah. to help me cry <laughs> I thought that was going to be the case for me but it wasn't so okay very very interesting so what rang true for you in terms of your experience with Southern culture as it was represented in this movie? So much stuff. It's it's hard because it's it's very easy to say that everything in this movie is just a stereotype or a caricature because it is really, really over the top. Yeah. But there's always a little bit of truth in stereotypes. That's kind of where they come from. And, and so I see a right. lot of truth in the way Southern culture is portrayed in this, especially considering this is a very small town in the deep South in the eighties. And, and that's a very specific mm -hmm. set of circumstances that look very different from any Southern culture that we see today almost. And I think that the big one is, you know, Shelby's wedding. Shelby is very much the Southern belle in this, in this movie. She's got a slight mm -hmm. rebellious streak, um, but that's also, very, very true of a lot of the small town Southern girls who are very proper that that I am familiar with. That's that's a thing. And she is definitely the kind of person that I wanted to be as a, a kid when I was growing up. I looked at her and, and saw this beautiful Southern gorgeous woman who got the fairy tale wedding. And I thought that was awesome. I actually used to dream about my wedding being just like that. And that was great. The the other really big thing, I think, um, is, is understanding that in the South, there is still, even now, there's still definitely like a classist system 
And uh, Malin was a really oh, good absolutely. example of that. She dogged on Southern values in quotes uh, when she was talking about Jackson's family. And she said, Jackson comes from a good old Southern family with good old Southern values. Either shoot it, stuff it, or marry it. And, and it was very derogatory. She meant it in a terrible way. <laughs> you know, she was making fun of them. But those mm-hmm. are things that are generally what you would associate with the South. But also Malin is a very upstanding, sophisticated Southern woman who is dogging on it. Um, and, and that's definitely a thing that exists even now. Um, it may not be quite the same level as it was back then, but it's definitely something I've seen in my family. I've seen in neighbors. Uh, I've seen that everywhere. Uh, what about you? What were the things that, that stuck out to you about Southern culture? It's so funny because my experience is almost the exact opposite of yours. So I have the very unpopular position of not liking Shelby at all. And the big Southern wedding to me looks like chaos. And I never, ever wanted one growing up. And I never did the fantasize about the wedding, wanted to be a bride thing. And like my cousins actually had, um, they even in growing up in the 80s they had these binders like these notebooks and they would put yes. like designs and ideas yes and no that's the thing <laughs> I mean like we were kids yeah and I would look at them like I- I'm gonna be over here with my book y'all like <laughs> you have fun with that like it was just never it was never for me um and when I watched that I just think I'm going to skip that wedding, go to the reception, dance with a bunch of people and have a drink. I am not interested in that at all. But some of the very specific things that ring true for me is the like good Southern girls love football and Jesus, not necessarily in that order. I have always found that to be true. And again, not the case for me. But I think that the women here were portrayed as as very nosy and prying like right away when there was a new person. Who the hell are you? Uh, Anil. Weezer, this is my new... Fine. Now, I know everybody in this town, and I don't recall having seen you before. Well, I just moved into town not too long ago. With your family? No, I don't have any family to speak Your husband? Uh, My husband? Yes. Well, that's kind of hard to say. I, uh, I don't know. You don't know? Well, I'm not sure. You're not sure? I'm intrigued. Are you married or not? These are not difficult questions. And for me, that has been more the case as someone who moved to the Midwest than in the South. So, like, I think in the South, we're much more hospitable and welcoming first to get to know you and then we're going to take our time like pulling your story out of you over a glass of sweet tea and we're going to get all the details but we're going to take our time about it right (laughs) so I I think some of that was a little rushed but some of the very specific things that stuck out to me was like when Malin was trying to get ready for the wedding and her sons put ice cubes you know down the back of her shirt Uh, delivery man someone stop that truck stop it Well, I have a teenage son who does that to me all the time, and I yell that exact same thing. Like, so what you're saying <laughs> word is, you're for Malin, word, don't basically. put ice down my back. Like, that's exactly what happens. <laughs> um, I, 
no, I'm nowhere near as classy as Malin. Um, <laughs> but like Louisa, I also had a dog named Rhett and I had a dog named Tara. And the cuppa 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 recipe is used and well loved in my family. My maternal grandmother wears driving gloves. So like some of the things that, you know, you see in this, like that beautiful tree line street, you know, I lived on a street like that. And so some of the visuals in this just really made me homesick and they rang very, very true. Uh, the other thing that I really wanted to kind of point out was, while it is very stereotypical, I think the writers did a good job of trying to show all of the different facets of, of Southern culture. And and they did that really by giving each of the main characters a personality trait. You know, and, and in yeah. real life, people are more complex than this and they have layers and all of them will be in all of the people. But what they did was they gave us, um, so like Malin, she's the mama hen. You know, she's the one who mm -hmm. is going to fight to the death for her kids. She's going to do what needs to yep. get done. And that is something that I think really resonates with Southern culture. And you see it in other Southern movies like The Blind Side. Okay. Well, I might have a, a little bit of that in me. <laughs> right, Maybe right. Maybe a little. <laughs> um, you, you've got her yeah. daughter, Shelby, who is the Southern Belle with the rebellious streak. Um, I went to an all-women's mm -hmm. college in the South. And one of the things that I can remember the most when I was there was you would see all of the girls from, you know, so small southern towns. They're very proper. You know, they've got their hair back in a ponytail with a bow. They're wearing pearls and pearl earrings and sitting there smoking a cigarette. And, and this was in college. And so, you know, they were you could even talk to them about it and they'll tell you they're doing it to be a little bit rebellious. And that's what you're getting from Shelby. Um You've got Clary. Mm -hmm. She is who I call the bless your heart lady. She's the one who will yeah. talk to you just as sweet as sugar. And as soon as you turn your back, she's going to talk about you, but she's still going to do it with that sweet syrupy voice. And sometimes she'll do it to your face. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got Truvy, the, the one who says there's no such thing as natural beauty. You know, yeah. she can't leave the house without her hair and her makeup done. I have to tell you, my great-grandma was like that. Mm -hmm. uh, my great-aunt was like that. My granny used to be like that, but she's kind of softened as she's gotten older. But it was one of those things where every week they would go get their hair set. And, and, and that's what they called it. They would get their hair set. I still don't know what that means. Yeah. I have, like... I envision it as being a whole can of hairspray gets used on your hair so it doesn't move for a week. I think it has something to do with curlers because my grandmother and great aunts used to do that too. Um, so, I mean, I know people just like Truvy. And and then we round out kind of our, I almost want to call it a five-man band just because there's five of them. But <laughs> <laughs> we, we round out our group with Weezer, who is absolutely your stereotypical grumpy old Southern woman. And they even give her oh, yeah. a line about it. She says, um, you know, she's talking about growing tomatoes and how she has to give them all away because she doesn't want to eat them because she doesn't eat healthy food. And Annelle asks, Then why do you grow them? Because I'm an old Southern woman and we're supposed to wear funny looking hats and ugly clothes and grow vegetables in the dirt. No. Don't ask me those questions. I don't know why. I don't make the rules. 
Yeah. And I love she says, and the only reason anybody's nice to me is because I have more money than God. <laughs> so it's like she she knows her role and she knows she's allowed to say whatever she wants because her place in that society right. is set. Like she's reached the age and the financial status that she can say what's on her mind and get away with it. Exactly. And and when we were making our favorite quotes for this, like all of mine came from Weeza. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She had some of the best one-liners, I think. Yeah. She really did. And uh, let's round out our folks with a now. You know, I'm going to put her, oh. I'm going to separate her from everybody else just a little bit, just because she's the outsider and the newcomer, and she's my least favorite of all the characters. But she, they kind of gave her two different aspects and wrapped them all up together. She is the girl from the wrong side of the tracks. You know, she's staying at the boarding house and she's got a sordid past. But then she becomes that small town religious nut. That yeah. I think everybody knows somebody who has experienced that in their life. Um, though they do a nice job of toning her down by the end and, and having her kind of come around to be more moderate. You know, they, they really oh. kind of twist that those stereotypes with Anel, I think, almost more than they do with anybody else. They do. And my annoyance and dislike for her can almost throw me out of this movie, but... There are very few characters that I have wanted to bitch slap as much as I've wanted to bitch slap her. But in this movie, it would be her and Jackson, and I would line <laughs> them up side by side, and then it would just be one bitch slap, and I'd hit them both, and then I'd get them both okay. on the way back. All right. And it would be awesome. <laughs> okay. So speaking of things that we would, you know, like to slap, do you want to jump into the bless your heart section of things that we did not like about this movie? I think you should go first, just because... <laughs> looking at the movie through the lens that you did to prepare for the show I think you came out of it with a very different perspective than you usually do when you watch this movie it wasn't just pure nostalgic entertainment for you and so I think I think that's a really good jumping off point for this bless your heart section because you have some really good points and I still kind of came at it with some of that fuzzy nostalgia and so I'm really curious to see where we differ on on certain things well it was really interesting because I went into this thinking I was going to love it and I was going to write down all my favorite quotes and you know it was just going to be okay at the end I'm going to cry and it's going to be great but I think what has happened is I have spent the last two decades as a single mom and it just changes your perspective on life and what I, I sort of saw in this was a group of women who were long-suffering and overworked, trying to manage husbands and sons who were portrayed as selfish and incompetent and uncooperative. And, uh, you know, a young woman getting married who basically sacrifices her health in spite of every, you know, medical advice telling her not to, to make a young man happy who knows better you know, who refuses to listen because of something that he wants, you know, and it was such a waste and it was such a selfish waste and it infuriated me so much that I just couldn't get sad about it because I was too busy being mad. And so all of my grief went to Malin, who had to watch that as a mom, you know, instead of to like this tragic love story that they were trying to set up for Shelby. But then there was also, you know, there's a lot of this sort of um, treating Shelby like a, a child and talking to her like a child 
throughout that that always kind of bothered me. Everyone in this movie was white. You know, they had some very bad gay jokes, and I know it was in the 80s, but I mean, come on. And Malin, you know, at the wedding, very much tried to express her concern to Jackson, and, and he completely brushed it off. And I just wanted to push him <laughs> in the swimming pool that was there, like save everybody the trauma to come (laughs) and you know then we have to have fat shaming in the land of sweet tea and fried food and then you have Truvy you know who keeps trying and killing herself with Spud and he just does not deserve her and you know I just it was just this constant these women going so far above and beyond and giving everything they have and being not appreciated and not enough and the message that that sends just bothers me and it just seemed like such a waste so yeah I I did not react to it the way that I expected to but I did make one very clear note that like Truvy's son she's yelling at him to take the garbage out and I'm sorry y'all when I tell my son to take the garbage out, he takes the damn garbage out. Like, Truvy, do not put up with that shit. Right. Like, come on. <laughs> you know? That, I, I was having trouble with that, too. Um, because I was great. If your mama tells you to do something, you do it. Um, damn right. <laughs> so, what about you? Um, well, first, I, I just want to say, I understand where you're coming from on all of those things. And I understand why all of those things are problematic, especially looking at it through the lens of 2017. I think when I watch this movie, I'm still watching it from the lens of 1990, really. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was nine years old or 10 years old, however old, and I was eight in 1990. I can do math, you guys. You know, when I was eight (laughs) or nine and I watched this movie, I think this movie did resonate with me because it portrayed life in a very familiar way to me because what mm-hmm. I saw in this movie is what I saw in real life. I saw my mother and my grandmother breaking their backs and I saw men acting like spud and that was just the way life yeah. was. So I'm not saying it's right and I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying it, that is definitely realistic. And so that's why it didn't end up in the bless your heart section for me. Right. The, the things that, that did for me are, you know, of course, Shelby in the beginning when she is struggling with whether or not she's even going to get married because she's not supposed to have children and her right. setting her worth around her ability to provide children. That's something that really mm-hmm. bothered with me. And that's a theme that kind of ran throughout the whole movie, which ultimately ended up in her deciding the only way to have worth is to have this child that could end my life and ultimately does Uh, that's a thing that that really bothered me and then there were just a couple of things Mm -hmm. um where i really from a story perspective i had trouble with um with suspending my disbelief things like melin being so close to these women but not telling them until the day before she's going in to have kidney surgery i'm sorry that's not a thing that's going to (laughs) happen yeah um, I agree like, with that. I think I understand why they did it for the, the drama of it, but that's that's so far outside of reality, especially when you consider how, how these mm-hmm. women gossip. These women know everything about everybody. You know, even in the beginning, Weezer is all, I know everybody in this town and I've never seen your face before. You know, they know what's happening. And there's no way that Shelby and Malin right. are doing a kidney transplant and nobody knows about it. Just not going to happen. Right. And then... Um, the scene at the end uh, when Shelby collapses, that scene has 
always bothered me because if you watch what happens, you know, she's outside with Jack Jr. She picks him up and that's when she realizes something is wrong. So she goes into the house to immediately call Jackson. When Jackson gets home, mm-hmm. the refrigerator door is open. The the stove is like boiling over with spaghetti sauce that she was not clearly cooking. She was not in the middle of opening a refrigerator when this happened. And she's outside while Jack Jr.'s inside. <laughs> and so these things just don't work for me every time. It sucks me out of the story for like 30 seconds because my brain is constantly going, that's not right. That's That could not possibly have happened. And it just bothers me. Yeah. I think I can have a headcanon that she thought, I could be dying, but I really should start dinner first. <laughs> okay, that's that's fair. I think that's fair. One of the things that throws me out is, you know, they have this structure in this movie where every scene is kind of on a holiday. Yeah. And then they do a Nell's uh, bridal shower on Halloween. And I cannot buy that anybody as religious as she was would have gotten married on Halloween. <laughs> well, like, it just throws me out every time. Was her wedding on Halloween or just the bridal shower? Well, they said this is what you get for getting married on Halloween. Getting married on Halloween. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like a monster themed shower. And I was like, that girl ain't getting married on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> that girl is trunk or treating on Halloween. Like <laughs> she is not getting married. <laughs> right. Okay. That's fair. Um, I think the other thing that I find problematic in in this movie, and it's problematic and realistic, I think, is all of the backbiting and the gossiping and the saying horrible things with a smile on your face with that sickly sweet voice that Olympia Dukakis Mm -hmm. just mastered. I'm a little embarrassed. I'm windblown. I've just been to the dedication of the new children's park. Yeah, how did that go? Beautifully. Except... Janice Van Meter got hit with a baseball. It was fabulous. Was she hurt? I doubt it. She got hit in the head. Janice Van Meter's the current mayor's wife. We're Hater. <laughs> so good. I mean, everything that came out of her mouth, she had that smile. And if you didn't understand the words, you would think she was being so nice. Mm-hmm. And she's just not. I mean, sometimes she was because she was definitely, yeah. I mean, she loved people and, and she was there for, for her people. But, you know, making fun of the dancing woman at the wedding. Looks like two pigs fighting on the blanket. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's that was just mean. mean. It is just mean. She was really mean sometimes. Some of the meanness, though, and I guess it's just because this is the meanness in me. I did laugh. when. As somebody always said, if you can't say anything nice about anybody, come sit by me. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I'm that girl at the party. I guess, I don't know, <laughs> but and I guess maybe because she didn't only do it behind people's backs, she did have, when there were things that had to be said directly, like there was that part at the funeral finally, and she looked over at Anel, and she's like, Anel, you have got to lighten up, and I was like, thank God she finally said that to that girl's face, but the, sh- you know, the, that syrupy, sweet, bless your heart stuff. It is real and it is problematic, and she was incredibly good at it. Okay. Are there any other bits that that were frustrating enough for you to be in the problematic section? Hmm. Yes, I have one more. So one of the most, I think, well-known lines from this movie is when Shelby says, 
I would rather have 30 minutes of wonderful than a lifetime of nothing special. And I have always hated that line. And as a mom, I hate it even more now. Because to devalue an entire lifetime, you know, for this falsely romantic idea of something special that's going to make everything else worthwhile just seems so incredibly wasteful to me. And I just hate that she's willing to literally put her life on the line for that. And the pain that that causes her mother is just, you know, it's tangible. And the look on Sally Field's face, it just breaks my heart. Sally Field breaks my heart everywhere in this movie. Oh, I know. She was so good. She was ridiculously good. And, you know, I, I think I agree with you on that. I, I I wrote down that quote in my notes, but I, I didn't, like, quantify it. I didn't put it in a section because it seems like a wonderful thing. You know, it sounds good when you put those words together in that string. It, it sounds like this wonderful, fluffy, romantical outlook on life. But in reality... It really does devalue life, like you said, Um, in particular in a situation like we have in Steel Magnolias, where she has already devalued her own life because she feels like she has no worth if she can't provide a child. And to put all of the worth for her life into the few minutes that she knows that she's only likely to have with a child is rude and it's disrespectful and it's heartbreaking yes and and I think it comes from part of it is she's just too young to really understand her own mortality you know and I say that as the parent of an 18 year old because and I I don't remember how old Shelby was but she wasn't right you know she was young when she got married and it that is the risk and pain of becoming a parent you know, because then you you have to love this being who does not understand their own mortality, and it's terrifying. And, <laughs> you know, so I think that this movie is positioned as, you know, the story of, of young love and tragedy, and it's really not. It's it's really the story of old love and, and what happens when you outlive someone else, you know, because we have Clary outliving Lloyd, and now we have Malin outliving Shelby, and what happens when that kind of love resonates throughout your life. And that is a whole different kind of pain. But it's not really how the movie is, no. is portrayed. And I think the other thing the movie is doing, and, and I don't know that it was doing this intentionally because it, it was 1989. It, it may just be they did this because that's how it was in 1989. Um, but But it is actually a thing where women are supposed to get married and have children. You're you're raised yeah. to believe well, that. Right. You're, you're raised to believe that. <laughs> I was raised to believe that. I thought my whole purpose in life was to become a wife and a mother. That was what I wanted more than mm-hmm. anything in my life when I was 16 and 17 years old. And I can remember when I was 19, I was at church sitting in the second pew during a sermon on a Wednesday night. And I honestly don't remember what the preacher was talking about. But he called me out as being an old maid because I was only I was 19 and I wasn't married yet. And I internalized adding to my bitch slap list list right now. I internalized (laughs) that for many, many years. And I thought I was a failure for being perpetually, for being perpetually single. And I mean, 
so I part of me understands why Shelby is the way that she is and why she feels like she's not a good woman if she can't, you know, produce children. Because I have experienced that. Now, now luckily, I, I am way more enlightened now than I was when I was 19. <laughs> happily single now and am fine not having kids um you know but but I that is a thing that happened to me in the south and I think (sighs) it's tough you know being a woman especially of childbearing age yeah I mean I understand it because I I did them out of order you know I had a baby very young and never got married and I have many many cousins many many (laughs) many cousins and I'm the only one who's never been married. So, I mean, every family reunion, people are like, Kelly's still single? Kelly's right. still single. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's just one of those things. But, and and I don't know, I mean, I know gender roles are a problem everywhere, but I, I do think they are especially problematic in the South. And, you know, Malin talks about this when, you know, when Shelby dies and she talks about all the men having to leave the room because they couldn't take it. Finally, we realized there was no hope. We turned off the machines. Drum left. He couldn't take it. Jackson left. I find it amusing. Men are supposed to be made out of steel or something. And honestly, that is as much a disservice to men as it is to women. Because, you know... When you raise men like that, then you're also cutting them off from empathy and from their emotions and from being full people. And on the flip side of that quote, what are women supposed to be made out of? And they never really, you know, they don't answer that. (laughs) That's never answered, even in life, honestly. You know, men, you're always taught that men don't cry because they're so strong. Women are taught that and men are taught that. Or at least they were when we were growing up. I think that is changing you know, now that we're in Luckily, in 2017, yes. it hasn't changed quite enough. But that was definitely it, traditional gender roles were very, very important yes. when I was growing up and in the town mm-hmm. that I lived in, both from a religious perspective and from a Southern perspective. And when you put the mm-hmm. two things together, it's really hard to get out of it, especially when those are your formative years. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think it's doing anyone any favors. <laughs> no, it's not. But that's that's why you do get men are supposed to be made out of steel. Because, I mean, I totally understand why Malin said that. Because that's what she believed. That's what she'd been taught. Right. And, you know, it's it's not true. You know, people are people. We're made out of flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to be soft. And it's okay to cry. And it's okay to show emotion. And even... Even at the end, when Malin is giving her phenomenal speech and she's having her breakdown, she keeps trying to stop, to not show emotion. Yeah. And I think that's something, again, women are also supposed to be strong. Women are supposed to be, oh, I don't know the word that I'm looking for, but they're supposed to be able to handle it and, and to take care of everybody else so they shouldn't need to fall apart. And you can see her fighting with that. Right. Well, you're supposed to be calm and steady and at all times. I mean, her daughter died and she walked out of the hospital room and told Jackson what suit to go pick out for the funeral home because she had to handle the details. Mm-hmm. 
Like that's how she was, you know, that's how she was raised. She's handling what has to be handled. She's not stopping to handle, you know, how she's actually feeling. Um, because that's, and, and that is definitely my experience of, of women, especially the, the women that are the matriarchs of Southern families. Yes. My, my grandmother was very much like that when my granddaddy died. And Mm -hmm. I I mean, I, I did stay with her for about a week, um, around that to just help her, but she was on top of everything and she was trying her hardest to make sure that everybody else was taken care of. And that's why I stayed so that I could make sure she was taken care of. Um, but she made it hard, you know, because she had it in her mind. I mean, she's in her, God, she's in her eighties now and she's very much a matriarch of a Southern family. But I mean, I do struggle with this too, because I make it difficult to take care of me, like for other people to take care of me. It's not, if you, yeah, I, it's not easy if you try to take care of me because <laughs> I'm used to handling everything by myself and right. that's just how it is. So I don't know if that's all from being Southern, but I definitely have it too. I, I think it's partly a human thing, but it's, I think, exaggerated yeah, in the South. I, I think a lot of these traits yeah. are human traits, but just get overly exaggerated in the South, particularly mm-hmm. things like gender roles. Okay, well, that's a lot of really deep, sad talk. So let's move on to the more fun <laughs> things. We're such a lighthearted right. woman's fuzzy movie. <laughs> um, although I will say the bit that made me cry is in the section for me. So I don't know what that says about me. So Kelly, why don't you tell us the things that you did really like in the movie, the things that tickled you pink? So I love Truvy and I love Clary with all their faults. And I love Sally Fields acting. And I love Weezer because she is the embodiment of all of my grumpiness. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shelby's two shades of blush and bashful crack me up every time because pink is my signature color. And <laughs> I don't care how many times I watch a movie that makes me laugh. Um, and Sally feels acting, if I haven't said it five times already. My God, the, the expressions on her face and the pain that she is able to communicate is incredible. I love Shelby setting Weeza up on a date and Owen Jenkins is adorable. (laughs) (laughs) And when Weeza says, I'm not as sweet as I used to be, I think that that may be my new dating profile. Like, I think that is so funny. And all of my favorite, like top favorite quotes ended up coming from Weeza. Oh yeah. So she said like a bunch of my friends and I would dress up as nuns and go bar hopping. (laughs) It's like, yes. She said, a dirty mind is a terrible thing to waste. And it was funny because I actually thought in my head, I was like, hey, Mandy Kay, graphic? Because <laughs> <laughs> I love that quote so much. And But my all-time favorite quote of the movie was when she said, I saw Drum Eaton at the Piggly Wiggly this morning, and I smiled at the son of a bitch. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> Which, I have to say, she had some pretty good character development in this movie because at the beginning of the movie, she said, I bet he takes the dishes out of the sink before he pees in it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and the ongoing battle with the two of them was so good. And when she walked past him at Shelby's funeral and just kind of tapped him Mm -hmm. on the arm, like that moment of peace between them was beautiful. But I think... Malin's anger at the funeral and the friendship of the women, those were the two most emotionally true things of the movie for me. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. 
jog all the way to Texas and back. But my daughter, she never could. Good. I'm so mad, I don't know what to do. I want to know why. I want to know why Shelby's life is over. I want to know how that baby will ever know how wonderful his mother was. Will he ever know what she went through for him? Oh, God, I want to know why. No, no, it's not supposed to happen this way. I'm supposed to go first. I've always been ready to go first. I, I don't think I can take this. I, I don't think I can take this. I, I just want to hit somebody till they feel as bad as I do. I just want to hit something. I want to hit it hard. Here, hit this. Go ahead, Malin, slopper. Are you crazy? Heather, are you high, Clary? Clary, have you lost your mind? We'll sell t-shirts saying I slapped Weeza Boudreaux. But then Clary offering Weeza up for a slap cracks me up, even though it was mean <laughs> as hell. <laughs> and I love how she apologizes to her afterwards. And I love them fighting on the bench like that. They were yeah. just adorable. Um, and then at the end, uh, Weezer and Owen holding hands just melted Aww. my heart like butter. <laughs> So what about you? What tickled you pink? Okay, first of all, I have seen this movie so many times, and I never once noticed that Shelby's wedding dress was pink. (laughs) That completely blew my mind when I noticed it. I mean, it's a very, very pale shade of pink, and I think my brain just always assumed it was white because this was one of those big fairy tale southern weddings, and you wear white. But it's not. It's pink, and I love it. I love it. Lush and bashful. Well, I, I understand that, but those were the wedding colors, you know, the, the fingernails, the flowers, <laughs> just the you. ribbon and all that stuff. So I, I never expected her dress to be anything else because I think when I was that age dreaming about weddings, it never occurred to me that your wedding dress could be anything other than white because that's just what it's supposed to be. And now I, you know, I think about it, you know, say yes to the dress and you've got black dresses and white dresses and pink dresses and like red dresses Mm -hmm. and like any color you want, you can get a dress. And so this time when I saw it and I didn't have that, that filter on, I realized she is wearing a pink dress in 1989. And that's amazing. (laughs) Well, she did stand out as a little bit of a rebel to you. And I think that was a little bit of a nod to her argumentative nature. Um, I do have a hard time believing that Malin would let her do that because Malin is so straightforward, Mm -hmm. but I imagine they argued about it before Shelby won. So (laughs) I would think so. (laughs) Um, And I think my favorite Weezer line is, I'm not crazy, Malin. I've just been in a very bad mood for 40 years. Because that is me. Like, I'm pretty sure. I yes. mean, I'm going to be 35 next month, and I'm already Weezer. So thank you for making me feel old, because I am about to turn 40, and I want that quote written out nicely on my birthday cake. I'm pretty <laughs> sure you can get that done. I think I can. <laughs> and I think my very, very favorite thing about this movie is the way the relationship between mothers and daughters are portrayed here. Um, the way Sally Field and, and Julia Roberts... Mm show that dynamic I think is amazing you you get the reality of the arguments and Shelby pushing back and wanting to be her own person and making her own decisions and you get Malin being upset and arguing back but at the end of the day she loves her daughter and she accepts that and 
you know, you've got that whole exchange where where Malin says, I didn't raise my daughter to be like that. And Shelby pushes back and she's like, yes, you did. This is exactly how you raised me to be. And it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I love it. And then in the hospital, once Shelby's in her coma, Malin never leaves her side. Not once. Jackson leaves. Drum leaves. The brothers leave. And Malin stays the whole time. And, you know, Drum tries to get her to leave, yeah. you know, to go get a shower, to actually take a nap, to get some real food. These are all things that I would probably say to someone or that someone would say to me if I were in that position. And she doesn't leave. She says, what if she wakes up for two minutes and I'm not here? And that is the moment the tears started for me. <laughs> There's that moment when he, he's sitting behind her and he's trying to be so kind, you know, rubbing her neck and trying to get her to leave. And she physically mm-hmm. like elbows him and pushes him away. And I was like, if that was my baby and someone tried to get me to leave that room, right. I would have knocked him down too. Right. Because mamas don't leave. Like that's just exactly. not how we roll, you know. And then at the funeral, Sally Field's performance kills me every time. Like it get yeah. there's enough time between when my tears start and when we get to the funeral that that my tears had stopped and I was just kind of okay. And then after the funeral, and and Sally Field just does her whole thing. You know, she starts saying, "I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine," and then she starts screaming. That's when I start sobbing. Like it just hits, and I sob, and she just goes through all of these emotions. Like why? Is she the one who's gone? It doesn't make any sense. Why can I run a marathon, but my daughter never could? And just her her acting, her emotions, the love that she has for her daughter, and that whole relationship is just one of my very favorite things. And it honestly reminds me a little bit of me and my mom. My mom is my best friend. And, and she wasn't when I was a kid. You know, when I was 16, absolutely not. You know, I was embarrassed to be around my mom. But now that I'm an adult and my mom is an adult – you know, we have that same kind of relationship, and I think that's part of why I love it so much. And it's mm-hmm. just wonderful, even that's though it makes sweet. me cry like a baby. <laughs> I mean, not even like a baby. It's worse. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm talking like heart-wrenching, full-body sobs is what I do when I watch this movie. It just it kills me. <laughs> but they do balance it with that moment you were talking about between – Clary and 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 Weezer, you know, Malin is so upset. She's like, "Oh, I just want to hit something." And Clary grabs Weezer and says, "Well, hit this." And it's amazing. <laughs> like everybody starts laughing, I start laughing and it just kind of breaks that tension and that heartbreak and I think that is wonderful. Yeah. Well, I like I said I did not cry this time, but there's that one moment after the funeral when uh, Anel says, you know, she's pregnant. They'd like to name the baby Shelby. And Malin says, oh, I'm tickled pink. And then she says pink. And I did get a little lump in my throat. Yeah. Just in that one second. Because it was so touching yeah. and sweet. And then I wanted to punch Jackson in the face again. So I just got mad. Jackson, you know, I don't really think about Jackson very much. Because he's just not really in the movie. He's To me, he's not even really a character in the movie. And I don't know what that says about relationships in the South, really, for him to not even really be a part of, of her life. I know it always strikes me as odd when they're in the hospital, and it's Malin who never leaves, mm-hmm. but it's Jackson who has to sign the papers. And it frustrates yeah, me I noticed that just too. because it seems so wrong. Like, I understand legally why that's a thing, but I feel like Jackson should have been mm-hmm. not leaving too. Like, he shouldn't have left. And so it's always a juxtaposition to me 
when Malin's the one who's been there for the last 10 minutes of the movie, reading to Shelby and talking to her and doing her leg exercises so her muscles don't atrophy. And then the next shot is Jackson holding the clipboard and having to sign the papers. I would go a level above that and say maybe Jackson should never put her in the hospital in the first place. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, that's just, <laughs> I don't know. He it's It's just this absolute irresponsible you know, lack of consideration for the damage that he's going to cause this woman and making decisions based on what he wants and not based on what's best for her, which I think is probably, unfortunately, not only a Southern thing. Well, let me play devil's advocate for a second. Okay. What about the possibility that the reason that he was so on board with them having a child was not because he was putting his wants before her life, but he wanted to make her happy. And this was something she wanted so badly, regardless of why she wanted it. We know she wanted it for him, but he knew this was what she wanted. And so is, do you think that's a possibility? I mean, we don't really have any textual evidence one way or the other. I don't think it matters because if what you want more than anything in the whole wide world is something that will kill you and I love you, I am not going to let you have that thing. Okay, that's true. <laughs> it's just very simple. You're right. Absolutely. <laughs> like, like when my when my son was 18 months old, his mission in life was to put his finger in the electrical outlet. <laughs> it was all he wanted. It was everything. All of his motivation, his whole purpose for being, was to put his finger in the electrical outlet. That was it. That's all he wanted. That was it. There was no distracting him. I had to move furniture. Like, I almost disconnected my damn electricity. I could not distract this child. Like, every baby, you know, safety thing, everything. For like a solid week, this was all this kid wanted. And the look on his face, he would, like, I had absolutely broken his heart. You know, like, here was his mother, who he loved, who was completely betraying him. And it was just this baffled heartbreak, like, Mom, how can you possibly keep this wonder from me? Because that was my damn job, <laughs> you know? And so at some point, if that thing that you want more than anything is going to cost you your life, then the people who love you have to not let you pursue it. You are absolutely 100% right, and I take it back. <laughs> Now, I mean, that's not to say that it's not her choice. If she wanted to have a baby anyway, if she wants to go all Melanie, gone with the wind, it's her right. But I don't think she wanted it because it was what she wanted. Because she said, I think this baby will help things a lot. And I think that that's what her motivation came from. You know, I would never tell a woman not to have a baby because of the health risk if she really wanted to have a baby. I just don't think that that was the case for Shelby. And I think Jackson was an ass. (laughs) I'm not sure we really saw enough of Jackson for him to be an ass. Mostly what we saw was him not talking, just standing around. But yeah. Okay. But when, when the mother of the woman you're marrying is trying to express concern to you and you're like, it cost me 60 bucks to rent this tux and that's all you got. I just don't have time. Fair enough. Sorry. (laughs) I'm right there with you. So, do you have any other, like, thoughts or reactions to this movie that didn't fit in our boxes? Um, I think 
this movie is just delightful and I love it regardless of how problematic it is at times because it just makes me smile and it makes me happy and it reminds me of of things that were true in my life when I was growing up of of, it reminds me of a way of life that was true Mm -hmm. even though it's a way of life that is good that doesn't really exist anymore or at least is on its way out is not quite so strong it just mm-hmm. it, it warms my heart to to feel nostalgic. I don't know what that says about me, honestly. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm really glad that we watched this movie, and and that I got me to too. look at it from a perspective other than just, oh hey, this is a really good movie that's going to make me cry. And and for all of its flaws, I mean, I still love it, and I'd watch it again. Yeah, <laughs> I will say um, at the wedding they had that the clogging scene that that just that they film for no good reason, that's out of nowhere, these two characters we've never seen before, and they just watch them dancing yeah. for a little while. I love that because mm-hmm. I you always did. wanted to take clogging lessons when I was a kid, and I never got to. Oh, I actually did. Um, I did a little bit of clogging uh, and a little bit of square dancing, and it was fun. And I think dancing is the best part of weddings. So I love that scene, even though it does not fit, and you can tell there were just like professional dancers brought in. I don't care. Yeah, I love it. Me too. All right. What about you? Anything else that you want to talk about that we haven't really talked about yet? I think two things that made me laugh is um, shooting fireworks into a tree with a bow and arrow is absolutely something that the men in my family yes. would do. Um, and <laughs> Truvy's philosophy on shoe sizes. Well, in a good shoe, I wear a size six, but a seven feels so good, I buy a size eight. <laughs> it just cracks me up. But I do love this movie. I mean, I know I pretty much ripped it to pieces, but... I'd, I will watch it again, and it's it's probably a lot of sentimentality and and just the the friendship between you know the the women and the strong female leads that we have in this movie. Because while I do think that they tolerate too much and that they carry too much, none of these women are pushovers. You know, they are strong women, and they um, they're strong actresses, and they carry this movie and they do it. Yeah, even it now gets to that point. I mean, she's a little bit of a pushover at first. But once she finds her place, she stands her ground for the things that she believes in and the things that she wants. And and they all did that. And it's great. Like, I mean, like I said, it's Sex in the City before Sex in the City. It's great. Yeah. And I love that because I didn't think of that. So I'm really <laughs> glad that you pointed that out. Sex in the South? <laughs> Maybe. be a very interesting name for a very different kind of podcast. <laughs> yes, definitely. Somebody needs to make that so we can listen to it. But it's not going to be me. <laughs> yes. Somebody does need to make that so we can listen to it. That would be awesome. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on this very first episode of Southern Fried Pop Culture, and we want to hear from you. If you want to join the conversation on Twitter, use the hashtag SFPOP. Tell us about your experiences growing up in the South or how you felt watching this movie. You can find me on Twitter at Mandy Kay, or you can email us at podcast at eloquentgushing.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Kelly Jones or on the Southern Fried Scholar podcast or on the Big Strong Yes podcast with Lonnie, Diane Rich. Mandy, what are we going to be watching next? Uh, next week, we are going to be watching Driving Miss Daisy, which neither of us have seen yet. I don't know how that's quite possible. Um, well, yes, I do, because I have another show called Pop Culturally Deprived. So this will be fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
It'll be very interesting. <laughs> so, and we also want to give a shout out to Jazzy Bentley for our amazing song and the music for the show. So, thank you all for listening and for following along. And we look forward to hearing your thoughts. Thanks, y'all. Bye. You wanna hear just what I think, but I don't want grounds. Southern Fried Pop Culture is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, please visit eloquentgushing.com or visit us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.